everybody, it's Lavetta and Miriam, and welcome to Notorious Women Podcast, a comedy podcast, a comedy about podcast about some of some history's, history's most notorious, notorious women. Women. Boom. <laughs> no, that was not an echo from Mount Rushmore. Uh, no. <laughs> I just had to put that in there. But um, why not? I mean, why not? I know. I just had to. But uh, guys, we wanted to start today's episode by announcing that we uh, unfortunately have decided that we're going to start wrapping up our lovely project, our lovely podcast. Um, we actually have about five more shows. And then um, to our patrons, of course, we're going to have uh, – we're still going to be rolling out. Um, extra content, so look for that for um, at least another six months so you guys can have that. And then, of course, we'll leave up our, our episodes um, on iTunes and everywhere else you can find your uh, podcast for another six months as well uh, for you to download for free. But for our patrons, don't worry. We, we still got you because we appreciate your, pra- your patronage. Um, over yeah. these last three years? Three years? I know. Yeah, three years. Has it been that long? God, time goes by so fast. No, I'm still so sad, but I understand that it is time. But time. I love doing yeah. this so much, and I love doing it with you. I could not have had a better co-host. We have chemistry I know, right? that cannot be replicated ever. No, nope. ever, ever, ever. Um. Don't try but, to replace you know, me, that. I will find you. I will find you. No, 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 none of that. I, I am, um, I myself am going to be busy with some writing projects and uh, hopefully a writing job soon. Um, and and Miriam has started a new business, maybe, or mm-hmm. started thinking about starting yeah, a new business. Yeah, I have. No, I've started you know, already. And, and she's going to continue to be an awesome mom. Full time. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I know. I mean, so you might, I mean, we, we laugh, but, uh, the way the school system, the way the Rona is run amok. It's um, not happening. Let's just come to terms with what I'm going to be doing this fall. And that's being a first yeah. grade teacher. Yeah. I mean, did you hear about that, uh, that summer camp where what, I think 35 of the kids testified? I was like, yeah, cause kids oh, are just yeah, that makes sense off. Me. That's what it is. And yeah. Mm-hmm. That I'm makes like, yeah, that's Right. I mean, because they could probably have some adults. That, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was course. a summer camp. And I think like 35 of the kids. And I'm like, duh. I, I don't understand. What, <laughs> just like, what did people... you think would happen? Right. I don't know. If people are like, it's like people go out into a storm and they're like, I can't believe I got wet. You're like, what is going <laughs> on with people? <laughs> well, it's funny when I looked so at nice. the ads for the camp. Like, because uh-huh. I have children and, like, camps are open. And it's, like, social distancing, mask requirement. I was, like, lies. You might as well just write lies all over the place. Like, no, <laughs> how are you going to social distance for eight hours with children? Lies. Why do you yeah. lie to me? Like, you just, like, come get corona. Just write it on the flyer because that's what it's going to happen. Uh, come get corona. Yeah, I don't but anyway, but, you know, so we're moving on, um, and we hope that you guys, and we want to say that we appreciate, you know, all of our listeners and uh, here and throughout the world, and we hope that um, we have brought you some, you know, some 
giving you a little bit of knowledge while also entertaining you. And uh, but we will miss you. But we're not gone yet, so don't cry for us, Argentina. Um, and maybe we'll come we, back we in are... some new fancy way in a few years. You never yeah. know. Oh my mm-hmm. God, that'd be great. Um, right. But I guess we should get started. And I think this week, I think you're first. I think this week, darling. Yes. Okay. So who's so, your notorious woman this week? Here's the thing: we've been doing this for three years. I'm 97% sure we've never done her. There's a 3% chance I'm wrong. But I really wanted to do her. Ava Perón. We've never done her. Oh, that's right. No, 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 no. We haven't. We haven't. No, Mm -hmm. I've been tempted. But, like, yeah. I have been tempted. It was one of those, like, wait, we've never done her? Oh, she's good. Here's the thing. She's got so much information. Like, so much, and in her life, in a very small period of time, she's so much information. So I'm gonna. So okay. first of all, it's a two-parter. It's a two-parter. Oh, two-parter, so baby. Don't give up on us yet, because we have to come back next week. Because I have the second half. Um, and even <laughs> the first part, you know, I'm gonna try to truncate things. But man, did she live a life? Okay. So here's the thing with with her is that. In her autobiography called La Razón de Mi Vida, there are no dates or references to childhood occurrences, and it doesn't list the location of her birth or her name at birth. So according to Julian is, I think, where she was born, and I don't know how to say that right. Uh, According to their civil registry, there is a birth certificate that shows that uh, uh, a Maria Eva Duarte was born on May 7, 1922. We just, like, don't know for sure. Um, wow, and, she's a famous then, woman. Like, her wow. baptismal certificate lists the date of birth as May 7th, 1919. Now, we all know that women, especially back in the day, like to be like, I'm 25, and they got wrinkles everywhere, and they're clearly 89. Right. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> probably what happened. And that was under the name Eva Maria Ibarguren. Hmm. I think okay. I said that was like, not a Spanish accent. Um, they thought that the, in 1945, Eva Perón herself created a forgery of her birth certificate for her marriage. Now, she spent her childhood in Junin, uh, which was a Buenos Aires province. Her father was Juan Duarte and was descended from French Basque immigrants, and her mother, Juana Ibarguren, was descended from Spanish Basque immigrants. Now, Juan was a wealthy rancher from Chivilcoy, which was nearby as a ranch, and he already had a wife and family there. At that time, uh, that was not uncommon because he was wealthy, and wealthy men can kind of do whatever they want. That yeah. feels like a theme. Am I wrong? <laughs> um, so when Eva was a year old, he, her father returned permanently to his legal family, forcing her mother and her other children in penury. So her mother and the kids moved to the poorest area of Junin. So Los Toldos was a village oh, in the dusty no. region of, I know, what a dick. And the reputation wow. there was basically abject poverty. So she started, her mother started sewing clothes for neighbors. And they were, you know, this is what happens. The family was stigmatized by the abandonment of the father and by the illegitimate status of the children under Argentine law. Um, so they were pretty much isolated, which is like, it's legal for him to do it. It's totally fine. 
but everyone's going to judge them. Like, what a fucking dick. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Yeah. That's fucked yeah. up, man. So, uh, suddenly her father dies. Uh, and Ava's mother and her siblings uh, sought to attend his funeral, and there was an unpleasant scene at the church gate, which if you saw the Madonna version of the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, I remember this scene very well. I personally think that movie was not the best that it could be, but I was undermined by everybody else. It was fine. I don't know. Mm. Did you see it a hundred years ago? No, no. I mean, I love Madonna, of course, because she's Madonna, mm-hmm. but no, yeah. her movies? Mm, no, not really. Yeah, so you were correct. And and be because I love her, right. I, yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah, no. Maybe watch the scene of her singing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. That was very moving. And then I fell back asleep. Yeah. <laughs> So they were they were allowed to um enter like the the funeral um but uh basically they were escorted out of the church like they were allowed to go in but then the wife was like no I said no and so they were escorted out. So Juan Duarte had been her sole means of support. So after mm-hmm. he abandoned her, all he left the family was a document declaring that the children were his and enabled them to use the Duarte last name. So after all of this happened, she moved them to a one-room apartment in Junin. And I was I always think like one bedroom. No, one room, which is crazy. One room, so, yeah. Oh. I mean, ugh, and it must have been so hard to keep and clean and all the terrible things. I mean, we say bastard nowadays, like jokingly, but back then – to be a bastard was like a terrible, terrible thing. Right? I know. Yeah. So for him leaving, what a horrible thing. The document. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean that, and it's not your fault. <laughs> like it literally is not your fault. Right. Like literally, yeah. you had nothing to do with it. But like, I mean, it's uh, so they, the mother and her daughters, they all took up jobs as cooks in the houses of local like restaurants. It says estancias, which I think are like, um places where people would like sleep and eat kind of thing so her older brother was able to get a job and help the family so they were able to move into a bigger house which they later transformed into a boarding house so during this time young Ava participated in school plays and concerts and her favorite pastime was the cinema so her mother wanted Eva Eva to, to marry a local bachelor and you know you know, hopefully he was more well off than your average bear, but like she wanted to be a famous actress. So her love of acting was reinforced October 1933 when she played a small role in school play called Arriba Estudiantes, which is Students Arise. Um, and after this play, she was determined to become an actress. I'm sure she was great. Like, and from right. what I hear later, like, you know. So, um, she wanted to move to the city. She had heard the big cities described uh, as, quote, marvelous places where nothing was given but wealth. So at the age of 15 in 1934, she escaped her village, and she ran off with a young musician to the nation's capital of Buenos Aires. Now, their relationship ended pretty quick, uh, but she stayed in Buenos Aires, and she began to pursue jobs on the stage and the radio, and she eventually became a film actress. I don't think, because I really did fall asleep during the Madonna movie, that I knew any of that. Like, that she, that she was, that it's such a theatrical story because she was really theatrical. 
Right. So right. this is when she bleached her black hair to blonde, and she maintained mm. her blonde look for the rest of her life. FYI, okay. she had black hair. Mm-hmm. So no, apparently uh, that's a thing with my uh, Latinx, and our Latinx listeners can tell us, but for my Latinx yeah. friends, they tell me, like, uh, that that's a thing, like, to even though they'll be like, I'm from Spain, or my father was from Spain, meaning I'm white. <laughs> but what uh-huh, they'll do yeah, is, exactly. um, because when I think of a Spanish person, I think of a person with dark hair, like from Spain, like a person yeah. like Penelope yeah. Cruz, you know, has dark hair, Javier Bardem, but like, but even like, especially in the Americas and the places that, you know, Spain conquered, um, you mm-hmm. know, colonized that, you know, to dye their hair makes them seem more white, basically. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more and yeah. more, which which in turn would make them more um, desirable. Well, yeah, and give them access to, yeah, to, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah. just say what it is. Not a good thing, but it is a thing. Yeah, but it's, but um, which is ironic, though, because, again, most Spaniards, you would think are like, not all, because, you know, uh, Hispanic people come in all shades and colors, but most, mm, everybody yeah. I've known who's from Spain actually has dark hair, so it's just really interesting. But but not, I know yeah. that Latino people come in all shades and colors, so. But, um, yeah, they do. So when she got there, she she had to survive. She had no formal education. She had no connections. And the city was especially overcrowded because of the migration caused by the Great Depression. So on March 28, 1935, she had a professional debut in the play Mrs. Perez, La Señora de Perez at the Comedias, Comedias Theater. My accent is so bad. I will say that. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> so in 1936, she toured nationally with a theater company. She worked as a model, and she was cast in a few B-grade movie melodramas. In 1942, she experienced some economic stability when a company called, oh, God, I apologize, Candilejas hired her for a daily role in one of their radio dramas called Muy Bien, I can say that, which aired on Radio El Mundo, the most important radio station in the country at that time. Later that year, she signed a five-year contract with Radio Belgrano, which assured her a role in a popular historical drama called Great Women of History, in which she played Elizabeth I of England, Sarah Bernhardt, and the last Sarina of Russia. So eventually, oh, wow. Eva came to co-own the radio company. And by 1930, by, by 1943, she was earning five or 6,000 pesos a month, making her one of the highest paid radio actresses in the nation. So Pablo oh. Racciopi, which is maybe an Italian guy, or I, you know what, I don't know. Looks Italian to me, but I don't. Forget the, I Don't ask me questions. I could be wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, who jointly ran Radio Almunda with Eva, sold, is said to have not liked her, but to have noted that she was thoroughly dependable, which tells me that she just was a female with an opinion. That's what that tells me. Okay. I mean, I don't know, but I'm, 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 yeah, thoroughly dependable, but I didn't like her. That's, yeah, she had an opinion. So she had a short-lived film career, but none of the films she appeared in were, high, were, were really successful. So because of the success in radio, dramas, and films, she had some financial stability. She was able to move into her apartment in the exclusive neighborhood of Recoleta. Uh, I'm not going to give you the address. I can't even <laughs> pronounce. I can't even try. I'm not going to try. 
Um, and the next year, she began her career in politics as one of the founders of the Argentine Radio Syndicate. So, okay. So oh. let's talk about one, one Perón for, for a moment. So on okay. January 15th, 1944, there was an earthquake in the town of San Juan, Argentina, killing 10,000 people, which is awful. In response, Perón, who was then the Secretary of Labor, established a fundraise, a fund to raise money to aid the victims. So he decided to have an artistic festival for this fundraiser, okay. and he invited radio and film actors to participate. Um, and then there was a big gala, and at this gala on January 22nd, 1944, Eva Duarte met Colonel Juan Perón. So she promptly became his mistress. That's how it's phrased in Wikipedia. Mm. I'm sure it took like a minute or two, but like, yeah, probably that night. Um, and, uh, so Frazier and Navarro, I think, are her autobiographies. So they're mentioned a lot in her history. That one, it was that night. One and Ava left the gala together at two in the morning. And he, okay, but he was he had, he had been, became his mission. Well, he had been married, but so this is what I think is interesting. His first wife had died of cancer in 1938. So I think they were just, I think they're using, I think it was more his girlfriend, but because of the culture at that time and they weren't married, oh. but they were definitely together, they say she was his mistress. Um, okay. okay. So the, her autobiographer's claim that Ava had no knowledge of or interest in politics before meeting Peron. So because of this, that she never argued with him or any of his inner circle, but just absorbed what she had heard. Juan Peron, I'm saying names so very terribly, <clears throat> I should take class, later claimed in his memoir that he purposely selected Ava as his pupil and set out to recreate in her a second eye, which is creepy. If like if you want my opinion, but that's that's fine. Okay. Um, so it's weird, right? Like this is a female version of me. Yeah. Um, but is that what you want? Um, they think that he allowed her such like the exposure and the knowledge of his intimate circle because he was forty eight years old and she was twenty four years old. So I think he just thought this child is. Sure, you know, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so in 1944, May 1944, it was announced that broadcast performers must organize themselves into a union and that this union would be the only one permitted to operate in Argentina. Shortly after the formation of the union, surprise, Eva Duarte was elected its president. Now... Oh. They speculate that Juan Perón had made the suggestion that the performers create the union, and the other performers likely felt it was good politics to elect his mistress. Um, so after she was president, uh, she began a daily program called Toward a Better Future, which <laughs> propaganda, which dramatized in soap opera form the accomplishments of Juan Perón. Hmm. I wonder why she became the president. Uh, so oftentimes his own speeches were played during the program. Uh, yeah, like when she spoke, she would she spoke in ordinary language as a regular woman who wanted listeners to believe what she herself believed about one term. So she's. This is so interesting, though, that she. 
I don't know. Is it a cultural thing? Because it's just like, because, you know, you and I are like artists and like, we're like, ooh, I think acting, movies, you know, writing. And, and to get into politics seems so like out of left field. Like, I don't know. Is it is it just a <laughs> cultural thing or is it that she was just such a, like, she just wanted to be around powerful people. So she started dating this guy. And so she knew that was a way to kind of come up in the world. Is that what it is? Because it just seems like arts and politics. That's, that's so, my theory. Yeah. So odd, right? I mean, like, I remember when yeah. people forget that Reagan was an actor. Mm, like, I mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, we I didn't know that until I started studying. You know, he was even president of SAG at one time. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. but he didn't get into politics until later on. But even in, in Hollywood, he was a big part of the uh, the Red Scare. Um, black, the blacklist of yeah. people because he was like, he was like a rabid, like anti-communist. And so. Yeah, he, he was not on the good side of the story. Yeah, yeah. No, but like even, so him getting into, because even as a Hollywood person, he was like very conservative and he and Barbara Stanwyck actually and had a hopper. And so like, you know, and John Wayne, there are a few of yeah. them, but like, so him going into politics actually kind of made sense in that in that thing, but not early in his yeah. career. I don't know, it sounds like that she was still early in a theatrical career and just going to politics seems so odd. I don't know. I'm just like, I, oh, my I'm guess just... is, I mean, she came from abject poverty. Yeah. And I yeah. think for her to have any, like, ounce of power must have yeah. felt really, like, I think yeah. when she got on stage and she held people captive, she loved it. Right. But not for the same reason maybe you and I like to be on stage, which is to express and to communicate. Right. You, which is, I mean, and it's not, one isn't necessarily better than the other. It's just, um, her purpose was that she had rapt attention. I'm making things up, but it just seems to make sense. No, it's just like when you were like, oh yeah, she, and then she's at a radio station, and then she went into politics. I'm like, what? Yeah. Okay. She's literally so- 24. Can you imagine yeah. being 24 and being like, yeah, no, I'll go, I'll do politics and stuff. No, <laughs> like, that's what I mean. Like, again, the politics seems like an older person thing, or if you marry into it, but usually if you marry just, po- like, if you, if you're a person and you're like, oh, I'm just married to a politician, you don't always get political yourself necessarily. Right. So. Or you, like, support so anyway. what they're doing and then you go do your own thing. Right. Yeah. Right. So right. she, she yeah. was all in. Okay. So mm-hmm. here's what that's happened. Early okay. 1945, there's a group of army officers called the GU, which is Grupo de Oficiales Unidos. Sorry, United Officers Group, nicknamed the Colonels, <laughs> and they had gained considerable influence within the Argentine government. So President Pedro Pablo Ramirez became wary of Juan Perón's growing power within the government, and he was unable to curb that power. And powerful people mm. don't like that. So okay. February 24th, 1944, earlier, he, Ramirez signed his own resignation paper, right, which uh, the biographer's claim was drafted by Juan Perón himself. Whew. So, El Edelmiro Julian Farrell, I'm bad at accents, was a friend of Juan Perón, became president. So, Juan Perón returned to his job as labor minister, and the biographers claim that by this point, Perón was the most powerful man in the Argentine government. October 9, 1945, Juan Perón was arrested by his opponents within the government who feared that, due to the strong support of the descamisados, I might have said that right, 
the work where the work was <laughs> for the nation, uh, his Peron's popularity might eclipse that of the sitting president. So six days later, between 250,000 and 350,000 people gathered in front of the Casa Rosada, which is like our White House, um, okay. to demand Juan Peron's release. And their wish was granted. So at 11 p.m., Juan Peron stepped onto the balcony of the Casa Rosada and addressed the crowd. So they faced, one biographer says it was particularly powerful because it dramatically recalled important aspects of Argentine history. So uh, there, there's like more, it was like mystical and there was like quasi-religious in the nature of that moment. I'm not going to go into detail about that because it's not about it. But, um, but she, she was credited with organizing the rally of thousands that freed him from prison. But, um, and this, this is Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. So this version of the copyrights in the movie version of the Lloyd Webber musical. Um, but most historians agree that this version of events is, like, not actually what happened. Okay. So they cried for her, Argentina. Um, so she was still an actress at this point, which is why they're like, that didn't happen. She had no political clout with with the various labor unions. Um and it is claimed that she was not well liked with within his inner circle, which makes sense. Again, she had popularity. Right, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. and she was also not liked by many within the film and radio business at this point. So oh, really? when he was in prison, she was suddenly disenfranchised. Um mm. and yeah, the reality that makes sense, is that, actually. right? Which was exactly what happened to her mother. Like not exactly, mm. but kind of, right? Yeah, um, like your your a woman's power is directly associated with the mm-hmm. type of man that with the man she's hooked up with, and then when that man is no longer in power, she, her power goes away too. Right, it's awful. Yeah, um, but you yeah. you know she she has a has a lot. So the two parter, right? So she's got a lot. To oh, right, right. Yes, girl. Um, so the massive rally was was actually organized by various unions. Um. And to this day, October 17th is something of a holiday for the Justicialist Party, I think I said that right, in Argentina, um, known as Loyalty Day. Hmm. So, after this, he's freed. Juan Peron married Eva. Now, this was shocking and unheard of. She was an illegitimate child. She has an uncertain reputation. But he did, he was in love with her, and he did not care. And her loyal devotion to him, even while he had been under arrest, touched him deeply. So he married her, gave her the respectability she had never known. So on uh, October 18th, the day after 1945, they got married in a civil ceremony, and December 9th in a church wedding in 1945. So mm. after he got out of prison, he decided to campaign for the presidency, and he won it in a landslide. She campaigned heavily for her husband during his 1946 presidential bid, and she used her weekly radio show and delivered powerful speeches with heavy populist rhetoric, urging the poor to align themselves with Perot's movement, which is what I think you, like, imagine her. She helps the poor. That's how they saw right. her. Right. Okay. So... I'm, I'm powering through here. So in 1947, she embarked on a much-publicized rainbow tour of Europe, also a known song in Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical. Um, he basically wrote two songs, and then they just repeated themselves. So this is like <laughs> the other song. Um, 
And if you love Andrew Lloyd Webber, you can email us. That's fine. I just, I liked Les Mis over Phantom, and then it became, you know, anyways. um, So she toured Europe. She met with dignitaries and heads of state, uh, Francisco Franco and Pope Pius the mm, twelfth, and um, for political reasons, it was decided that Ava, rather than Juan Perón, should make the visit. Not really sure why. Uh, Argentina had only recently emerged from its wartime quarantine um, that's taking its place in the United Nations and improving relations with the United States. Therefore, a visit to Franco right in, in Spain, who we were like, we were mad at at the time, um, with Antonio Salazar of Portugal, was like uh, diplomatically frowned upon, essentially. So Eva went instead. Hmm. Um and it's said that Ava made the decision. I don't know. It's said that. Maybe she did. And maybe she did, because yeah. maybe one her own, like, loved her that much. Yeah, um, it's hard to tell women from this period, you know, yeah. how much influence they had, because, you know, women, we know women are smarter than men. <laughs> I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but, like, it's just, it's kind of hard to know, like, it's, it's kind of like with our, um, uh, oh God, what's her name? Uh, oh, I also did a two-parter on her um, Philippine uh-huh. uh, Melda Marco. Uh-huh. Like it's yes. hard to I was know. Like, but then yes. you know, but, but then when you see a Melda Marco speak, you're like, oh no, this woman is no dummy. Like she's mm-hmm. so charming. Yeah, she's so charming. Mm-hmm. Like if she had been a man, she's she definitely would have been. <laughs> I mean, Melda Marco was too good at what she did. Just too yeah, good, you know. Um, okay, so because she chose to do this, the advisors decided she should visit many European countries in addition to Spain. That makes sense. She's like, I'm just seeing yeah. all of Europe. Spain's on the way, right, which is not what that was. Um, and it was it was uh, billed as a goodwill tour. So she was well-received in Spain. Um, and then she uh, went to Rome. The reception was not as warm as it had been in Spain, though Pope, Pius XII gave her a papal decoration. Um, and then she went to France, where she was generally well-received. France was like, you have some wine, it's fine. Um, I know, right. The French were like, love, we love life. Uh, oh, terrible French accent. Do you want to cheese? I'm making it up. <laughs> I've watched cartoons, and that's where my French accent comes from, <laughs> which is sad because I had seven years of French, but it didn't work. <laughs> um, and then when she was in France, she received word that George VI would not receive her when planned uh, to visit Britain. So she kind of was like, oh, dude, I can't go to Britain because I'm tired. So she came home. Now, while she was there, she also went to Switzerland. Um, and that was the worst part of the trip. When she traveled down the street, many people crowded her car. Someone threw two stones and smashed the windshield. Um, oh. She threw up her hands in shock, but she was okay. Um, later, while sitting with the foreign minister, protesters threw tomatoes at her, and the tomatoes oh. hit this poor foreign minister and splattered on Ava's dress. Um, so Ava what was like, okay. That? I am not sure. It seems to me, like, I'm not getting the information. I am sure there's, way, like, look, you guys, I don't, I mean, like, somebody to be a nine-parter. Right, but I think there was an element to the fact that there was a man who was president 
but who is this woman being a diplomat? What has she done? That is the only, like, I think it's sexism. And and maybe it's hidden. Maybe they don't like that she's helping poor people and she's trying to knock out that 1% of people with all that money. You know what I mean? Like, what she stood for was the poor, was, you know, that was her platform. So you don't think it had anything to do with um, any kind of policy that Argentina had that the Europeans were upset with or? You know, no. I don't know. Like, I didn't, okay. honestly, like, I didn't hashtag not historians. Like, I didn't do <laughs> that. And I feel like if there was something very specific, it would have, it would have, okay, gotcha. It would have come up. But, um, and then, then there's this, like, theory, uh, that she was really just going, doing this whole thing to deposit funds in a Swiss bank account. But, like, the reality oh. is. If they wanted to deposit funds in a Swiss bank account, there are way easier ways of doing that. So they don't yeah. know for okay. sure that could have been, but I might have been like, while okay. you're there, sneak this money into that. So maybe that was, there was a, there was a, that's a possible, um, rumor that had been going around, but. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so, okay. During her tour, she was featured in a cover story for Time magazine. The cover's caption was, quote, Eva Perón, Between Two Worlds, an Argentine Rainbow, which was referencing the European tour. This was the only time in the periodical's history that a South American first lady appeared alone on its cover. In 1951, she appeared again with Juan Perón. So the 1947 cover story was also the first publication to mention that Eva had been born out of wedlock. So in retaliation, oh. the periodical was banned from Argentina for several months. Um, so after she returned, I'm almost done with part one. After she returned no, no, no. to Argentina from 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 Europe, um, she never again appeared in public with like her complicated movie star hairdos, like the hmm. things she did to to be decked out. So right, her brilliant, right. like, gold color became more subdued, 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 subdued. But she still dyed it. It was just a different tone. Uh, it wasn't and her hair like, was... Maybe it wasn't platinum. Maybe it was more, right. you know, a, it was a golden... Like, right. It was, like, not bombshell. It was... Yeah. I don't know. The other thing. <laughs> um, it was she, more great Kelly than... Uh, uh, That's it. Marilyn Monroe, yeah. probably. Yeah. There you go. I'm like, there's like movie stars to explain this. Thank you, Lavetta. <laughs> um, so her clothing became less extravagant and more refined. She didn't wear the elaborate hats and the form-fitting dresses of the fancy designers. So she adopted a simpler, more fashionable Paris couture and became particularly attached to Christian Dior and the jewels of Cartier. So she wasn't like trying to be one of the people. She, I think she wanted to be more respected as a leader is what I'm. Yeah, she's just got a more um, polished, yeah. sophisticated look versus a sexy movie star look. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that, my friend, is the end of part one. Oh, and so much Oh, yeah. I think I started looking her uh, up and I was like, mm, this seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. But I was like. Knowing we had only a few to go, I was like, let's do it, let's do it. Yeah. No, I'm so glad you did, darling. Um, it is, like, I mean, she had to be interesting enough, um, you know, 
for Andrew Lloyd Webber to be like, yeah, I'm going to do a whole uh, show around her. Seven-hour you know, so. musical. Now, it might not technically be seven hours. I'm so seven. Let seven me hours? tell you. <laughs> it's seven uh, Like, look, I love Madonna and I love musicals. So I was like, they made me a movie. This is amazing. Yeah, I, I know, right? Yes. And I, I was so bored. And I bet you, like, what we talked about uh, with um, – um, the Madam C.J. Walker and Annie Malone that you covered, like, I bet you oh, yeah. Anita is not accurate <laughs> historically. I mean, like, looking her up, I can't get accuracy now. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, now the musical was so successful, it's probably, you know, um, uh, affecting the material, the, the material you could probably find that, you know, that comes up more in the like, searches. So this was like the moment in that balcony, but she wasn't a politics yeah. yet, so it didn't really happen, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. I mean, it's really know. interesting how, like, yeah. But at that least, people like, Madam T.J. Walker was like, this is, like, loosely based on a historical character, but we took, we took liberty. Yeah, we took liberty. And they like, say that know, in the title, you know. Right. Right. And this is what and I get because if you're close to it, you have issues with it. It's like that's that that's renewed debate with Hamilton that's now on Disney Plus, which yeah. I watched over the weekend. Um, I have to say, I like my actors. Um, I like the actors oh. in the one that I saw here. Like, um, OK. Yeah. The actors. I mean, you have to be I mean, we know musical theater actors to get any kind of work. They're extraordinarily talented. Most of them. Yeah. Um, like above like, the beyond, yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting seeing the original cast. I think I like the ladies in the original cast better than the ladies I saw, but, um, my God, I don't know. I mean, what's his name is pretty great though. Um, guy plays Jefferson and Lafayette. Um, oh God, he, no, he like, I think for me, he wins. Uh, he's like, I, David, but I have to say the guy that I saw here, um, now I realize, yes. I think the guy that I saw here is probably more of a comedy guy because he definitely had more comedy moments as well as the guy who played My King George. Um, yes, that, I wonder yes. about that. Yeah, the guy that I saw, he definitely played in, played in more, like, Faye, <laughs> if you will, uh, the one yes. that I saw. I said, did we see this? You saw it in L.A., right? Yeah, I saw it in L.A. at Pantasia. Yeah, so we saw this, I think yeah. we saw the same cast. Cause I'm like, yeah, yep, but yep, I have yep. to say, yeah, I mean, David Diggs is like rapping though, like Lafayette, like that whole thing. That was like amazing. That was like, yeah, I mean, but the guy I think that did it here, he, he, his comedy was definitely a lot more, um, but I could see that he, you know, you have to kind of base it on the original cast. That's why it's so great to be an original cast. Like he definitely took yeah. like his, his, he took a lot of, yeah, David, like, like, David was great, though. Like, he he actually, I think, was my favorite. Like, I mean, but my favorite, because I'm a comedy girl, my favorite is King George and, and Jefferson, because they're, they're so funny. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, they're the comedy, yeah. you know. Um, but but I also, I love the moment where <laughs> when Hamilton tells him about he's being blackmailed. <laughs> yeah. And Jefferson's like, what? He's like, tell me more. <laughs> Okay. So. Like, yeah. Anyway, but like, I was like, that was not what I was walking into. Okay. That was so funny. Like, yeah. But, 
But, yeah, I mean, whenever you're doing a historical person, you know, you, you're taking liberties, especially when you're, um, yeah. you're creating a story, you know, a narrative that's entertaining. You have to change things around and, you know. What I give, things, uh, I, I'll give Lin-Manuel yeah. credit, though, is, like, he has a lot of, like, I mean, I have a book that I got for Christmas because I'm a little obsessed with Hamilton, uh, like, three years ago, four years ago, that, like, goes through, like, the entire process of how he created it. Like, the book on Hamilton's actually pretty honest. Like, go read that by Ron Turner. Yeah, create it's a thousand anything. Pages long. But, like, Listen, once very, I started like, writing, you know, yeah. creating anything, I, I give people not a lot of leeway, but you realize how hard it is to create something, especially based on a real person, because you have yes. to make it compelling. You have to make it interesting, like, and entertaining, like. You know, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like, and some of the stuff he changed was, like, negligible. He actually had eight children. Okay. Um, you know. Yeah, I like, mean, the read. Well, and online people have been saying that, yeah, he kind of portrayed him as, like, anti-slavery. And they were like, he was not anti-slavery. Um, and. Um, but John Lawrence was anti-slavery. Kinda, I'm sorry, what did you say? John Lawrence, who died, was anti-slavery. No, I'm talking about right. Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, 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 I see. Like, yeah, like yeah. in, in the show, they were just like, yes. and they were like, mm, yes. oh, Hamilton sold slaves for his uh, father-in-law. Eh, he was kind of down with it. Um, so, but, you know, you have to change things around and, like, um, so anyway. But, so let me get to my notorious woman. Um, okay. So <laughs> she's been in the news lately, and I'm just going to preface this by saying, this bitch. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, let's do this. So my notorious woman this week is, and I'm probably going to butcher her name on purpose, whether I want to or not. But, um, <laughs> she's in the news this past week, actually. Uh, my notorious woman this week is Ghislaine Maxwell. But Ghislaine, Ghislaine, I think it's G-H-I-L-A-I-N-E. She's fucking Jeffrey Epstein's pimp, basically. This bitch oh right God. here. Yeah. Because <laughs> because we're not historians, oh, I can say my opinion. Oh. This bitch right here. Because when I was watching we're that whole Jeffrey Epstein thing, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I, the whole time mm-hmm. I'm like, no. when they gonna get this bitch? Okay. So, yeah. Right. Hello. Go ahead. Yeah. So Ghislaine or Ghislaine Maxwell was born in 1961 in Maison Yes. Go on. Yeah, in Maison Lafitte, France. Uh, she's okay, the ninth and youngest child of Elizabeth Maynard, a French-born scholar, and Robert Maxwell, a, Czechlo- a Czechoslovakian-born British media proprietor. So oh. her father was from a Jewish family, and her mother was a, was of Huguenot descent. So a Jewish person, okay. but, I mean, I guess he's uh, Czechoslovakian Jewish, and her mother's Huguenot I'm descent. Czechoslovakian Jewish. Oh, man. Um, but, well, you have nothing in common with people right now. These people. Thank you. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, that's why you can't judge a group of people by anything, because everybody's different. So um, now, Ghislaine was born two days before. So now, keep in mind, she's the ninth uh, child of and, nine children and a lot of kids. Um, and she was born two days before a car accident left her older brother, Michael, in a prolonged coma. And he was 15 oh, already, so big age gap because there's nine children. Um, oh, yeah. And 
unresponsive for several years until his death in 67. So the first, the formative years of her life, she was raised with her um, brother in a coma, one of her, her older brother in a coma. Now, her mother, okay. Elizabeth, reflected that the accident had an effect on the entire family, you think, with Ghislaine becoming yeah. anorexic mm. while still a toddler, which is so interesting. What? I don't even know how you deal with that. I don't. You can do that? I, girl, uh. I don't. Whoa. I mean. Throughout mm. childhood, Ghislaine resided with her family in Oxford at Headington Hill Hall, a 53-room mansion where the offices Whoa. of Per. Pergamon Press, a publishing company run by her father. So she lived in the lap of luxury in England. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And so these are like well-off immigrants. Like, because people used to be like, oh, she was an immigrant. And it's like, mm, it's not the same thing. <laughs> she grew up in a 53-room mansion. So um now her so she had a close relationship with her father three rooms and <laughs> sorry i can't I even know. fathom it i can't even imagine yeah this is like down abbey it's like I, for I real only like bigger i mean my god yeah now her father by all accounts was a bit of a tyrant with his uh children and with his wife and with his family except his lane she was considered his favorite child Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, for her education, she attended Marlborough College in Balliol College in Oxford. Now, side note, okay. uh, a report from the Times said that her father, now keep in mind, she's her father's favorite, did not permit uh-huh. her to bring her boyfriends home or to be seen with any of them publicly after she started attending Oxford University. Oh, yeah, because he wanted her to be proprietress. Cool, that worked out. No, I I think there's some pain, I think there's some weirdness with her and her father. I don't. I'm not oh a, God, I don't I know if there's any go evidence. There. I oh. I mean, considering what she's this bitch gets wrapped well, up into, mm, explains a lot. I'm just saying. Also, um, also honestly, if a toddler is anorexic, that something's going on. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, but in rich families, you know that Shop stuff is not bald. really brought out. Yeah. So. And the penis. The whole yeah. thing. Just cut it all off. Go on. I mean, it's just, yeah. So, okay, so she, you know, grows in this lap of luxury. She's she's educated and, and raised in England. So that's why she has a British accent, even though her mother is French and her father is Czechoslovakian. So, um, but she's okay. by all accounts English. Right. Now, after university in the 1980s, so this is a rich young woman in the 1980s. <laughs> the decade of decadence. That um, is she the time to be rich. Yes. She was uh she was a prominent member of the London social scene. She founded a women's club named after the original Kit Kat Club and was a direct and was a director oh. of Oxford United Football Club <laughs> during her father's okay. ownership. So he just gave right, her that makes like sense. a directorship. Yeah. Um, Here. she like she was born in 61, was she in her early 20s? Like, oh, I mean, yeah, um, fairly. So she worked, she also worked at the European, a publication her father had started. So this is like nepotism at its finest. I'm sure she, mm. I don't know, but who knows? When you have this kind of clout and connections, it's hard to know if a person is really intelligent and competent or if they've just been given everything. It's really, really hard. Yeah. To know. Yeah. Um, 
she, uh, according to Tom Bauer, writer of the Sunday Times, in 1986, so she's like, what, 25? Her father invited her to visit yeah. his, his new yacht in a shipyard in Holland to celebrate his christening in her honor, and he named the, the boat Lady Gislaine. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't like him. I don't like yeah. him. Now, in fact, she spent a large amount of time in the late 80s aboard this the Lady Gislaine, the yacht, which was equipped with a jacuzzi, okay. a sauna, a gym, and a disco. I so mean, it's the 80s. That makes sense to me. I know. She was definitely living the life of Daddy's little rich girl. Now, according yeah, to the Sunday Times, on November 5th, 1990, so this is the end of the 80s, Ghislaine delivered an envelope on her father's behalf that, unknown to her, was part of a, quote, plot initiated by her father to steal 200 million pounds from Burlitz shareholders, a company that he was overseeing. Oh, wow. The report goes on to say that after her father purchased the New York Daily News, so he bought the New York Daily News in January of 1991. He sent her to New York City to act as his, as his emissary. In May of 1991, okay. she and her father took the Concord on, a business, on business to New York, where he quickly departed from Moscow and left her to represent his interests at an event honoring Simon uh, Wiesenthal. So basically, okay. you know, her father is Wiesenthal, huh? like <laughs> – okay. Her father's basically one of these rich mogul guys that makes his money in a whole bunch of stuff, but people aren't really sure where mm -hmm. all the business things are. So, um, which is not unusual for really, really rich guys. It's not that's white guys. It's not that unusual. So yeah. Um. So because usually so they're they go, embezzling like a chunk of it. Yeah, they're so embezzling. They they're probably doing some. They're probably embezzling, they're probably laundering, and they probably have legitimate businesses. It's probably like a, a yeah. you know, a combination of a lot of things, um, especially in the 80s and the 90s, I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of cocaine money going around, okay? Somebody yeah, Reagan was like, cool, I'm going to here. Yeah, here. So um, now, so – in May of 1991, they go to New York on the Concorde, that fancy, really expensive uh, plane. Mm -hmm. And then immediately her father goes, yeah, he gets back on the plane, he goes to Moscow. So in November of 1991, Robert Maxwell, her father's body, was found floating in the sea near the Canary oh. Islands and his yacht, the Lady oh. Gislaine. So they said he had drowned. Um, no. So it looked like it, he, so it, it had been from drowning. Though a verdict of death mm. by accidental drowning was recorded, uh, Ghislaine has since said that she believes her father was murdered, commenting yeah. in 1997 that, quote, he did not commit suicide. This was just not consistent with his character. I think he was murdered, end quote. I mean, so. yeah. Men with that much money and power who then abuse it generally well, I know some, some shady business and also those right. business practices. Mm -hmm. I mean, no but thing. it must be shocking. This is her father. I get it. And mm -hmm. also, I know, everybody looks like, like but he's a media mogul. People are like, you, you what? What? <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. Um, now, after his death, uh, her father was found to have fraudulently, fraudulently appropriated the pension assets of near group newspapers, a company that he ran in which he held a large share of ownership to support its share price. 
there were reportedly mm-hmm. over 440 million pounds in pension funds missing. These are pension oh funds. Oh, my God. People's pensions. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's their, their way to eat. I mean, yeah. Like that. yeah Two of her brothers, yeah. Ian and Kevin. Uh, so now, okay. uh, I said uh, she's the youngest of nine children. So now there's eight children left because the other brother died. Right. Um, but two of her brothers, Ian and Kevin, were the most involved with their father in daily business dealings. They were arrested on June 19, 1992, and charged with fraud related to the Mirror Group pension scandal. Mm, but they were eventually sense. acquitted in, 90, oh, in 96. No. So, mm. um, now... But back up to 91. So just after her father's death in okay. 91, Ghislaine moved to the U.S. permanently. Okay. Uh, she was right. photographed boarding. And she had homes throughout Europe or whatever, but she moved to the U.S. Um, and she was board. She was photographed boarding the Concorde across the Atlantic, causing outrage because, again, the scandal had broken about this embezzlement of the pension fund. Right. So yeah. people were outraged due to the mm. high cost of the flight on the on the Concorde. So they're like, this bitch is traveling around on like like high My money. You know. <laughs> um and her father yeah. So people were outraged, but now she was provided with an annual income of eighty thousand pounds. Today that's around a hundred and ninety thousand dollars a year. Oh that's it? Oh what is she gonna do? Thanks Aww. to a trust fund in Liechtenstein by her father. <laughs> Um, that was now in 90, Yeah, I know, I know. But like, <laughs> can you imagine just be given a hundred and ninety, like almost two hundred thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. to do nothing? Like, yeah. I mean, um, right. And then on top of that, if you want to get a job, <laughs> yeah. And she did do that in '92. She moved to an apartment of an Iranian friend overlooking Central Park. At the time, she worked at a real estate office on Madison Avenue and was reported to be socializing with a group that included Ivana Trump and billionaire Adnan Khashoggi's son. So she, she in her mind, she was poor, I bet. Like, oh, right. oh I'm sure. dollars a day. Like, I want every pair. She's going to go leave fire. Yeah. <laughs> so so she's hanging around with the upper echelons. And I get it because she was raised in a 53-room mansion. So she's used to I being mean, around. It's nice. You know. It's nice of you to get it, Lavetta. <laughs> yeah. Because of this, uh, she, she quickly rose to wider prominence as a New York socialite. So around the time at a New York uh, party following, quote, a difficult breakup with Count Gianfranco Giconia. Giconia. You have to say Italian. Yeah. Giconia. Of the Siga Hotel clan, Ghislaine met financier Jeffrey Epstein. There he is. Yeah, in 92. Mm-hmm. Now, her father right. died in 91, 92. By all accounts, the two dated. They started dating right then, and they were dating, and they dated on and off for several years, but the true nature okay. of their relationship is still unclear. So, uh, in, 2000, huh. in a 2009 yeah. deposition for the suspected rape of underage girls by Jeffrey Epstein, mm-hmm. several of mm-hmm. Epstein's household employees testified that Epstein referred to Ghislaine as his, quote, main girlfriend who also yeah. hired, fired, and supervised his staff starting around 1992. Okay. So she wielded a lot of control in his orbit in his household. 
she has also been referred to as, quote, the lady of the house by FC staff and as his aggressive assistant by somebody. Uh, yeah. So. In 95, Epstein even renamed one of his companies the Ghislaine Corporation. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Now, the Palm Beach, Florida company was later dissolved, but he still named the whole, like, company after her. Um, and in a 2003 Vanity Fair profile on Epstein, author Vicki Ward said Epstein referred to Ghislaine as, quote, my best friend, end quote. Ward okay. also observed that she seemed – uh, to, this is of Ghislaine, quote, to organize much of his life, end quote. So this is, yeah, this is well into 2003. So she met him in 92, and still in 2003, she's still in his life, running everything, businesses behind the scenes. So now, okay, okay, while on. she, so her and, and Jeff, uh, Epstein are thicker than thieves, right? We don't know if they're in a relationship, yeah. they're out of a relationship, what, whatever. But around this time, she was also known for her long-standing friendship with Prince Andrew, Duke of York, because her father was well-connected, right. a businessman in England, so of course she knows. Um, and she, so she was known to be his friend, Prince Andrew, and for having notoriously, haha, escorted <laughs> him to, to a, quote, hookers and pimps social function in New York. Mm. I don't know if it's a funny thing with rich people or if it's really mm. I don't know, but I, I literally um, have no idea. This is so far away from the world we live in. I know. So get laid because be of her father was well connected in British upper class circles because of her father. Right. So this makes sense. Now she reportedly introduced Prince Andrew to Jeffrey Epstein. And the three mm. often socialized together. Now, side note, if you ever, if you watch that documentary on Netflix, uh, Filthy Rich about Jeffrey oh, Epstein, you realize that I thought Jeffrey Epstein was like a, you know, maybe a blue blood or like, not a blue blood, you know, cause he's Jewish, but like, yeah. you know, like, but like well connected, Harvard, you know, boarding schools and then, no, he straight up lied his way <laughs> into like, like, the New York financial scene, like, he just totally made shit, like, he totally made up his resume. It's really fascinating. But what he did have, because he didn't come from that life, he knew how to play those kinds of people. Yeah. He knew how to play. Yeah. And he, like, he's a con man, pretty much. But he conned conned, uh, wealthy people, too. And they never thought they could get conned. And so, but he also, I feel like he sort of, um, and so Ghislaine would be very uh, appealing to him because she is from an upper-class family, grew up with money, and she's well-connected socially. So she'd be right. very appealing to him to hang yeah. out with also. Yeah, I know? can see where he grasped. And then he has real her. money. Like, he yeah. has, like, he is loaded at this time. So um, now, so so she introduced uh, Epstein to Prince Andrew. Um, now. Uh, in 2000 and 2000, Max, uh, Ghislaine and Epstein attended a party thrown by Prince Andrew at the Queen's Sandringham House estate in Norfolk, England, reportedly for her 39th birthday. So again, yeah, she's well connected okay. socially. So right. in November, in a November 2019 interview, so this is last year with the BBC, right. Prince Andrew confirmed that Ghislaine and Epstein had attended an event at his invitation, but he denied that it was anything more than a straightforward shooting weekend, end quote. 
So remember okay. that interview? He's like distancing himself away yeah. from whole yeah. scene and everybody. So um, she's also been associated with, and photographed with Donald Trump, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin mm-hmm. Spacey, and lawyer Alan Dershowitz. Dershowitz? Dershowitz. Uh, among a bunch of people. So with Epstein, Epstein's been photographed with uh, Clinton, like a whole bunch of people. These people are all well-connected, just like Harvey Weinstein's well-connected. When you're well-connected love- and you have a lot of money, you take pictures with a lot of people. So that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean anything that you're in pictures. But Prince Andrew, in his interview, denied knowing the girl who accused him of raping her, but there's like a picture of him this with the picture. girl. <laughs> like, like, anyway. That's her. Yeah. You're standing next that's to her. Smiling. Uh, with Ghislaine in the background, interestingly enough. It's really interesting. Oh, that shit. So, wow. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. right in the background. Now, details of a civil lawsuit made public in January 2015 and referenced in the recent Netflix uh, documentary, Filthy Rich, from Jane Doe number 3 that accused Ghislaine of recruiting her in 1990 when she was a minor and grooming her to provide sexual services for Jeffrey Epstein. This is what makes her a bitch. A 2018 expose by Julie K. Brown in the Miami Herald revealed Jane Doe number three to be a woman named Virginia uh, Giffray, G-I-U-F-F-R-E, Giffray. I'm going to say Giffray. Giffray. Yeah. Um, Who was previously known as Virginia Roberts. Uh, Giffray met okay. Ghislaine at Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach, Florida, where Giffray was working mm-hmm. at the time as a masseuse. She asserted that Ghislaine had introduced her to Epstein, after which she was, quote, groomed by the two of them for his pleasure, including lessons and Epstein's preferences during oral sex. Wow. So Ghislaine is recruiting these young women for Jeffrey Epstein. That's why I call her his pimp. Um, that's what she is. That's, that's what, what is. that is. Yeah. Now, Giffray asserted, allegedly, because we can't get afford to get into mm-hmm. I mean, allegedly, Giffray, yeah, asserted that uh, Giffrane and Epstein had trafficked her and other underage girls, often at sex parties, hosted by Epstein at his homes in New York, New Mexico, Palm Beach, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Of course, Ghislaine called her a liar. Uh, so Ghislaine right. sued Ghislaine for defamation in federal court in the Southern District of New York in 2015. While details of the settlement have not been made public, in, two th- in May of 2017, the case was settled in Ghislaine's favor with Ghislaine paying Ghislaine millions. Yeah. Also in the documentary of, uh, of, of about Jeffrey Epstein, his accusers in 2019, a woman by the name of Maria Farmer, went public in 2019 and filed a sworn affidavit in a New York court alleging that she and her 15-year-old sister, Annie, had been sexually assaulted by Epstein and Ghislaine in separate, uh, separate locations in 1996. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that documentary is rough. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, I haven't. Af- I, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Maria Farmer's um, I, I read affidavit. Articles, yeah. Now, her, her affidavit was filed in support of a defamation suit between Virginia Giffray against Alan Dershowitz. So that's how all of this stuff started okay. coming out. Now, according to the affidavit, um, Maria Farmer had met Giff Lane and Epstein at a New York art gallery reception in 1995. 
The affidavit says that in the summer of the following year, they hired her to work on an art project in, in billionaire businessman Leslie Westner's Ohio mansion. So she's very excited. She's an artist. She has this commission. It's great. Where she was then sexually assaulted by both Ghislaine and Jeffrey Epstein. And in the documentary, she actually talks about, like, what happened. Um, uh. And Farmer reported the incident to the New York Police Department. So she reported the incident when it happened in 96. She reported it. Mm-hmm. Epstein flew her then 15-year-old sister, Annie, to his New Mexico property where he and Maxwell molested her on a massage table. Oh, my God. So Farmer was trying to protect her sister, and they 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 reached out to her 15-year-old sister, Annie. Now, on CBS this morning in November of of, of 2019, last year, where um, uh, Farmer reported – she, where she detailed the 1996 assault and alleged that Ghislaine had repeatedly threatened both her career and her life after the assault. So basically it seems that, so basically Ghislaine helped Epstein uh, find, target, groom, and then molest underage girls, even sometimes joining in the activities of the molestation. I'm going to say that she is both a pimp and a rapist. Yes. I'm going she's to say terrible that about her. Terrible. Yes. She's a terrible, terrible person. And yeah. she now she and her younger sister, so Farm and her younger sister alleged that it was because of Ghislaine's presence that they let down their guard with Epstein. And they believe mm-hmm. that she was a big part of the reason that they trusted him to begin with. And this is what makes her I hope this bitch burns in fucking hell. This is what Oh, I'm looking forward to the fire. Young girls yeah. Young girls are know to look out for creepy old dudes. But if you have a mm-hmm. girlfriend, you think, surely I'm safe, right? Surely yep. his yep. girlfriend That's... would not be down with this. You, cause you don't know any better when you're that young. You don't know that sometimes these women nope. are just, that women can be as sick as men. And this is why this fucking mm-hmm. bitch, and if I ever see her, I'm a puncher in her fucking face, needs to I'm go down, down with a vengeance. Because mm-hmm. these young girls yes. who don't know any better, they, it kind of reminds me of like in um, that movie with oh god was is it it's the one with uh, Angelina Jolie set in the twenties where her son goes missing. Um, oh god, her her baby goes I never missing thought, and then but I know it's really good. About. It's really really good. Yeah. And she and then later on they bring back a child. She's like that's not my child. And then they put her in the same yeah. asylum because they're trying to do a switcheroo or whatever. But in it they you find out that this guy has been kidnapping and murdering children, babies. And uh-huh. one of the ways he's able to do it is that he rides around with another child in the car. So when the kids, so when they approach mm. children, so they approach an eight-year-old, the eight-year-old what sees a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old in the car and it's like, oh, it's safe. And this is, and I know it's personal for me, but this bitch, this bitch, this bitch, I mean, okay, so let me go on. Okay? This, so, this bitch, um, needs, look, she should rot in hell. And then we can watch the fires all around her. I like think she should. I think we should Joan of Arc this. I'm ready I, to like, yeah, you know, bonfire she, this bitch. Oh, so let me uh, plow through this. So in 2017, okay. Sarah Ransom. So this is another woman filed a suit in the U.S. District Court, Southern District of New York, as well against Epstein and Ghislaine, alleging that Ghislaine hired her to give massages to Epstein and later threatened to physically harm her or destroy her career prospects if she did not comply with their sexual demands 
at his mansion in New York and on his private Caribbean island, Little St. James. The suit was settled in 2018 under undisclosed terms. Whatever the nature of their relationship between Ghislaine and Jeffrey Epstein, in 2008, Epstein was convicted of soliciting a minor for prostitution and served 13 months of an 18-month jail cell, where, where oh. by the way, he could leave and go to work during the day and come back at, like, Yeah, that's a white man yeah. going to jail. That's what that yeah. is. That is yeah. a rich white man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, following his release from jail, although um, Ghislaine continued to attend prominent social functions, she and Epstein were no longer seen publicly together after he was convicted okay. in 2008. So, um, Ghislaine has re- repeatedly denied any involvement in Epstein's crimes. In a 2015 mm. statement, uh, she rejected allegations that she has acted as a procurer for Epstein and denied that she had, quote, facilitated Prince Andrew's acts of sexual abuse, end quote. Her spokesperson said, quote, the allegations made against Ghislaine Maxwell are untrue, and she strongly denies allegations of an unsavory nature which have appeared in the British press and elsewhere and reserves her right to seek redress at the repetition of such old defamatory, defamatory claims, end quote. All right. Okay. Let's see how this plays but, out, bitch. I mean, of course mm. you're going to deny it, uh, but something must have been yeah. going on because despite having a job in 2000, uh, uh, in 2000, so despite having a job in 190,000K a year, I mean, that's a lot of money. She mm-hmm. moved into a yeah, seven square foot, seven square feet, 7,000 square feet townhouse on East 65th Street, less than 10 blocks <laughs> from her friend Jeffrey Epstein's mansion. The house is purchased okay. for $4.95 million by an anonymous limited liability company with an address that matched the office of J. Epstein and Company. Representing the buyer was weird, was uh, Epstein's longtime lawyer. And in 2016, um, the New York townhouse where she lived was sold for $15 million. So being a pimp pays really, really well. This bitch yeah. is fucking, yeah. I hate her mm-hmm. so fucking much. She, but she, there are some, she goes against but everything. There's some, well, because it seems like she got off spot free, right? So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about with the Jeffrey Epstein, so let me get to it. So on okay. um, August 14, 2019, another woman by the name of Jennifer Aroaz filed a lawsuit in New York County Supreme Court against Epstein's estate. Ghislaine, so so she had filed a lawsuit against Epstein's estate, Ghislaine, and three unnamed members of his staff. The lawsuit was made possible under New York State's New Child Victims Act, which took effect on the same date. I will add, later amended her complaint on October 8, 2019, with the names of the previously unidentified women enablers to include Leslie Groff, Simberly Espinoza and the late Rosalind Santanilla. So again, like with Weinstein or or any predator, um, you have right. to have enablers, and sometimes they're female enablers. Mm-hmm. Now, Ghislaine, yep. um, the way Jeffrey Epstein did it is it, it, his she got young girls, according to the doc, to recruit other young girls so they would mm-hmm. no longer have to have sex with him. Like, it was totally, like, right. R. Kelly probably looking at that, like, damn, why not think of that? Like, this is how right. twisted it was. Yeah. So, Ghislaine. Well, R. Kelly's jealous. Um, Shit, you're a dick. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so Gislaine was named in one of three lawsuits filed in New York on um, August 20th, 2019 against the estate of Jeffrey Epstein. The woman filing the suit identified as Priscilla Doe claimed that she was recruited in 2006 and trained by Gislaine with step-by-step instructions on how to provide sexual services for Epstein. In, two, in January of 2020, a lawsuit was also – another lawsuit was filed against Max uh, uh, Gislaine and Epstein, um, alleging that they recruited a 13-year-old music student oh. at the Interlochen mm. Center for the Arts in 1994 oh. and subjected her to sexual abuse. Oh, my the God. Stated, yep. The suit states that Jane Doe was repeatedly sexually assaulted by Epstein over a four-year period and that Maxwell, Gislaine, played a key role both in her recruitment and by participating in the, in the assault. 13 years old. God damn now, it. Now, she's just... In July... I think yeah, it should be a big bonfire. Go on. Like a bigger one than July, I had originally imagined. Yeah. Now, in July of last year, so 2019, Epstein was arrested on sex trafficking charges, um, yep. but was then found dead by, yep. quote-unquote, quote suicide in August. So in July, mm-hmm. he arrested. Mm-hmm. In August, he did by suicide. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Efforts to locate Gislaine were futile. Before Epstein's arrest and during main, uh, main, uh, most of the legal proceedings, it was like she was a ghost. The New York Times said that by wow. 2016, she was no longer being photographed at events. By 2017, her lawyers claimed before a judge that they did not know her address. They further, they further stated that she was in London, but they did not believe she had a permanent residence. On August okay. 15th, 2019, after Epstein uh-huh. was arrested, um, right. a report surfaced that Gislaine had been living in Manchester by the Sea in Massachusetts in the home of Scott Borgensen, the, CE, the CEO of Cargo Metrics, a hedge fund investment company involved in maritime data and uh, analytics. Now, Gislaine and Borgensen were described as having been in a romantic relationship for several years. Locals in the mm. town of Manchester by the Sea said that Gislaine had kept a low profile and went by G instead of her full name and had been seen on mm. several occasions walking a dog along the beach. Oh, how nice for you. Oh, it's she's oh, coming how now. nice for you. Like a big bonfire, you know what I'm saying? Like old school, like with rope. Well, I mean, even though she, like, Jeffrey Epstein and, and, and got arrested um, and done uh, killed himself apparently, um, and mm-hmm. her chilling in Manchester by the Sea. She still was looking after her own interests. So in January of this year, 2020, it was reported that she had refused to allow her lawyers to be served with several lawsuits in which she has been directly named since mm. 2019 and 2020. Can you do that? Can one you by say, no, I don't yeah. want to. Now, and those include the lawsuits by Farmer and IOS. Now, while her lawyers continue to argue on her behalf against the release of additional court documents from the Giffray v. Maxwell lawsuit, they claim to not know where she she was or to have permission to accept those recent lawsuits filed against her. But somehow, on March of this year, March 12th, yes. while we in the corona, um, mm-hmm. she was able to file a lawsuit against Epstein's estate which claims she had been a longtime employee of Epstein from 98 to 2006, who had served to manage his property holdings in the U.S., 
Virgin Islands, New York, New Mexico, Florida, and Paris, while continuing to deny any knowledge or involvement in his criminal activities. According to the lawsuit filed in Superior Court in the U.S. Virgin Islands, she was seeking damages for legal fees associated with defending herself against her accusers that she claimed had promised to cover for her, the dead man. But hopefully every terrible person gets what's coming to them in the end because this past week on July 2nd, 2020, Ghislaine Maxwell was finally arrested by the FBI and Bradford, Mm -hmm. New Hampshire. Later that day, Ghislaine Maxwell Maxwell was charged with six federal crimes, including enticement of minors, sex trafficking, and perjury. Boom. I hope this bitch goes down. And that's Ghislaine Maybe light that fire. Light her, her light her ass up. Light her ass up. Maxwell. Oh. This bitch. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. You guys can uh, have a drinking game. How many times I said bitch during this thing? Because I hate, I hate Oh, my this woman God. So no, much. I'm going to die. She's such a bitch. I, so I did much. it again. That's too much alcohol. <laughs> um. Oh, well, but... Um, well, guys, oh, that man. wraps up this episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Um, guys, if you want to show yeah. us some love as we're wrapping up our show for you, you can do that on Twitter and Facebook at NotoriousWMPod. You can also email us at NotoriousWMPod at gmail.com. And, um, or just, you know, say hi. And, you know, we love hearing you guys, uh, hearing from you guys at, on, our, on all our subjects and uh, and thank you again for allowing us to entertain you for these last three years. But we, again, we're coming back with four more episodes after this one. So, mm-hmm. um, yep. Yeah. We're going to make it a. And we're like a round. We're just, yeah. yeah. You can always find us at our handles. Uh, I am at Lavetta underscore Cannon on Twitter. So you can always hit me up on Twitter. And uh, Miriam, I don't think you're on Twitter, are you? I'm not on Twitter, Lavetta. It stresses me out. <laughs> I know. I'm Pilates. Pilat- oh, what am I? Pilates with Miriam uh, on Instagram, yeah. uh, where I post a lot of dance videos and social justice memes. Honestly, yeah. Um, but I also teach Pilates. Um, you do so. Yeah, so we're going to be around. We're not. You know, the show may be ending, but we're going to be around, and you know, we hope that um, you guys um, will hit us up. You know, so and Lavetta has to um, call me at least once a month for a long conversation. Yes. Yeah, we that do. Was the deal. That's 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 mm-hmm. real talk. That's real talk. Um, so, um, so guys, we will see you next week, though. And thank you so much yes. again. And we've loved doing every we've loved every minute of this of doing this. So, and we will see you yeah, next week, though. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.